1983, Bally Midway released an arcade cabinet that was unlike any that had come before it. Intending to be sold to bars, this cabinet had brass foot rails and drink holders for your beer. And aside from the standard joystick, early versions of Tapper had actual Budweiser beer tap handles that you used to pour virtual drinks for thirsty patrons in your virtual bar. You see, Tapper was the first of its kind, the beginning of the advert game genre. Advert games are video games designed solely with the intention of promoting a brand name product. Tapper would eventually be changed for reasons that we'll talk about, but it was not the last advert game. Not by a long shot. Today we're going to look back at the advert game genre, including Tapper, and some of our favorite advert games in video game history, including Chex Quest, Yo Noid, Sneak King, and more. So stick around and buy more video games as we take a sponsored by absolutely nobody trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you happy and well. Hello and welcome to the 68th episode of our video game nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we take a look at one title relevant to the current week in gaming history, and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, and what it gave back to the world in its legacy. Today, we're looking back at Tapper, an arcade title released in 1983 and using it to further discuss advertise games, adver games, advertisement video games, or the adver game genre. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined my, by my co-host, who is nobody's corporate shill, my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, how's that plan to stick it to the man? Well, Dave, just today, there was a sign that said no right turn between three and six. And I made a right turn at 5.53. That's living dangerously in some of the areas you drive through. Oh, that it is. But it's close to home, so it's okay. Oh, oh, but they say most accidents happen within five miles of your house? I don't know. It's not really an accident. You stick it. You stick it to the traffic, man. Stick it to him. Yeah. Yeah. So what you've been playing this week? I've been playing quite a bit of RuneScape, have played a little bit of Forza, and got to try out the F1 2021. Yeah, we did get to try out F1, didn't we? Yeah. That, that, was... went, that went okay. It's a lot to take in at first, but I'm excited to, to learn. I have still no concept of F1 cars. Yeah, no. The last time I paid attention to open wheel racing, it was it was the Indie Racing League Period. It was the Indy Racing League way back when. That, that's still more than I can say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whole lot to learn. But I, it was fun. I got a kick out of racing with everyone the other day. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm going to probably jump back in that when I get some time. It has a story mode I'm really intrigued by. That may player co-op campaign as well that. Yeah, since since the other two numbskulls started one, maybe we can start our own. So, yeah, and then we'll beat them and then we'll beat them and uh, we'll go from there. 
What about you? What have you been playing this week other than F1? Forza. Uh, probably a lot more Forza than you, admittedly. Oh, for sure. And Hades. And Halo. Mm. And down with that campaign. Actually, not yet. I have not started the campaign yet. I have played through every campaign co-op legendary with my best friend. And I don't know if I want to do it like I, I, I'm excited, but I can also wait if that makes sense. Well, Dave, you have to wait. I know exactly. That's what I mean. So, yeah, because I was going to do the same with Damon. We had planned for it. And I don't want to do it without it being co-op. And yeah, same. Why would you release the game without co-op? Yeah, anyway, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but they did. And so I, I I've just been dabbling in multiplayer. I, I you know, I'm missing one more and I just don't know what it is, but it does. It doesn't really matter. I was feeling the same way. I, I know there is. Oh. Pistol whip. Oh, you got some VR gaming in, huh? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I introduced a friend to it who uh, unlocked his inner John Wick as he played some Pistol Whip. It was quite enjoyable to watch. Do you so. re- do you remember like the first week I got that game? Y'all were making fun of me because I pulled a muscle playing it. Yep. Yeah, I pulled I a muscle. Yeah, I pulled a muscle in my what was it? My calf, I think it was. It was, yep, my lo- it, was. I, it was a lower leg injury. Yeah, I pulled my muscle, a muscle in that. And I was like, yep, I went down too far, too fast in that game and pulled a muscle. And now you're like, yeah, I guess I can see how that happened. Oh, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense now that I've played a little more than just what what, what I got to try with you. I've been itching. Uh, I've been itching to get back into VR with you. Uh, like, I, I, you know, I keep being I was going to suggest it the other day when everyone wanted to play F1. But like we still have the forest to tackle. I did find out that uh, Beat Saber is cross-platform, so we can play it together. We can play it together. It's cross-platform. And um, The Forest. Oh, what was the other one I wanted to play with you? I don't know. But if you haven't had a chance to yet, uh, check out No Man's Sky in VR. It's fucking amazing. So, Well, let's get back to it, Dave. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> Well, that was five minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it was five minutes, wasn't it? Yay. Back to the topic on hand. We're talking advert games today, which I don't think we've tackled any advert games yet. Uh, An advert game is a video game that is developed by or developed in close collaboration with a corporate entity of some kind. That's solely with the intention of promoting a brand name product. So let's start by saying that product placement is just, we don't even really notice it. Any, I mean, we notice it, but it's just so common now. It's, it's just a, it's a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's commonplace. Yeah. Ad- advertising and video games. I mean, heck there's a whole video game model based on advertise ads, you know, free to play is all ads and microtransaction based nowadays. So I haven't played it in a while, but I know that at one point, Tom Clancy's End War, I kid you not, I swear that the billboards in the game updated with the time. 
because oh, there was an ad for a movie that had no way of being in the game when it released because it was like that month and it was in the game and I was playing it like a year after I got it and I was really confused. I'm sure they try that. I think um, Burnout Paradise did that. I know the sport titles update. They they actually update, you know, with the same way. So I don't think that that's as outlandish, even though that was a long time ago. I don't think that that's outlandish whatsoever, you know. Right. But yeah, but advertisement is everywhere. And advert games, admittedly, are everywhere nowadays, and we'll, we'll get into that, you know. But back back in the day, that wasn't the case. There weren't many video games, you know, that were specifically designed around one specific product or, 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 or service or something like that. So the earliest attempt at an advert game that we know of dates way back to 1978. And what it was was there was in development a, a an Atari 2600 title that was going to be a polo sport game that was tied to the polo clothing brand. Uh, we know a little bit about this mostly because it, it was being developed by one of the earliest female video game developers, Carol Shaw. And, and through learning about her history, we've learned about this game. Uh, but beyond that, um, there's not much. Although I think that this is, there have been prototypes released on the ROM, uh, you know, ROMs towards the end. But uh, but it never saw the light of day back in the 70s. No polo game. Um, because it was canceled before it was ever released to the public. So they've been trying this as early as 1978. But realistically, the very first advert game was the title of today's the to- the topic for today's episode tapper rob have you ever played you would probably know it as root beer tapper does that ring a bell at all no i can't say that it does i mean i know of tappers because of wreck it ralph Ex- yep yep that's very true it is indeed in the bartender is in wreck it ralph for sure yes so. but i've never played tappers myself well Tapper was released in 1983. It was made by a, a, a arcade developer called Marvin Glass and Associates, and it was it was released by Bally Midway. And basically, you are a bartender who has to serve thirsty people while collecting their empty mugs and tips that they leave behind. Now, what's interesting about Tapper was that it was originally sponsored by Anheuser Busch. And so the original arcade cabinet was completely done up in a Budweiser design. Uh, it was originally only intended to be sold to bars. And so the the first set of cabinets had brass foot rails and brass drink holders where you could put your beer or, you know, or, or drink. And the way the game is played is that basically you pour drinks for you pour drinks for you know thirsty thirsty people and so you had a normal joystick a four-way joystick that would control your movement but to pour the beers the first run of these cabinets had actual Budweiser beer tap handles that you would pull back to pour the beers in a game which is kind of cool if you think about it actually oh yeah it absolutely is and very unique for the time. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. They through the 80s, 70s, the golden age of arcades, they tried a lot of fun things. You know, I'm, I'm sure there were all sorts of, you know, we had all sorts of weird racing cabinets and this and that. But 
it would have probably been something else to walk in and see a uh, to see an arcade cabinet with a bear tap handle and you're like what's this you know yeah it's very unique later versions of the cabinet did not have budweiser bear tap handles they switched to like small plastic ones that just had the budweiser logo on them but the next year in 1984 it was rebranded to root bear tapper because let's be honest video games more so then than now were really looked at more so as a children's pastime and they well i mean it goes without saying serving beer to people is inappropriate for children so so they rebranded yeah a little bit bit. and so they rebranded the game to root beer tapper you know they 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 kind of changed no budweiser on it and uh yeah you know, because who wants to advertise alcohol to minors, which is realistically what they were doing in the original version. But yeah, gameplay was real basic. You had four bars across the screen, kind of vertically up and down. And at each the end of one, there's a door at the end of the other is where you serve drinks. And you basically, you know, put the joystick up and down. You move to whichever bar, you know, someone's walking down and you fill a beer and when you let the beer tap go it slides the beer down the bar the customer catches the beer they drink it and they slide it back down now there were a couple ways that you could you could lose you would lose if you didn't catch that empty mug they slid back down or if you slid a full beer to down an empty bar and there was no one to catch it so basically if a mug broke that was it for you or my favorite if a customer reaches the end of the bar, they'll grab you, the bartender, and drag you out and you lose as well. So. Oh. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I never played a lot of Tapper. I'm familiar with the game. Not only has it been in arcades, but it's been like Midway Arcade. Those compil- Remember those Midway Arcade compilations they released for like huh. PlayStation? ironically we just happened to find a copy of that yes nice it's in pretty much it's not in all of those but it's in a bunch of those too it was a it's a popular midway game so i've had i've played this i've never been very good at it never tried to play through it you know so realistically i only knew about the first stage the first bar which looks like a western saloon with with cowboys coming at you um but there are actually four stages there's the western saloon after that, there's a sports bar. Uh, there is a punk rock bar where punk rockers come towards you. And the last stage is an outer space bar where aliens come 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 at you. Nice. So, uh, yeah. But we had we had this. We had we had Tapper 1983. Very first advert game. But it wouldn't be the last, would it? Uh, no, I, I don't believe that it would. Not by a long shot. I have some of I have I have examples of some adver games, ones you're probably familiar with, maybe not so familiar with. But before I start diving into the rest of the genre, what adver games do you know of off the top of your head? Let's let's chat about those. What can you think of? There was the Cap'n Crunch Crunchling Adventure game. Okay. Um obviously all of the burger king games like snake king yes uh, there's the pocket bike racers yep yep i got those on a list we'll, we'll we're gonna chat about those for sure um off the top of my head those are the only ones i can really think of really 
there's, gonna... sure there's other ones, but those are the ones that like oh, yeah. I just oh yeah easily yeah yeah. There's going to be others. There there are probably going to be others you're going to face palm as we go through it. So I want to talk about probably the best selling advert game, one of the best selling advert games of all time, which which came out in the '90s, which was Chex Quest. Uh, you said you played the Crunchling one. Did you ever have a chance to play Chex Quest? No, can't say that I have. So. Just a side note, if you are our listeners have never played Chess Quest, it is free on Steam right now. Actually, they remade it as a high definition remake and it's free on Steam nowadays. Uh, so there is if you want to play Chess Quest. Now, if you don't know what Chess Quest is, Chess Quest was a video game, a computer game rather, uh, which is a video game uh, that was included in boxes of Chex cereal. Duh when it was developed in 1996 it is the first video game to ever be included in cereal boxes as a prize uh Chex quest was based on the doom engine yes that doom famous first person shooter doom and it was essentially a total conversion of ultimate doom to be more specific so much so that if you actually get your hands on the source files Chex Quest only had five levels to it. It wasn't the longest game in the world. But there are ways to hack the game to keep playing past level five. And you can play with the Chex Quest characters in the Doom levels past that. So it was like actually just Doom with reskin. It, that is literally what it was. It was it was reskin Doom. Wow. That is not that is that is not an exaggeration because that is that is where the biggest criticism of the game lies is that it's a reskin doom. That's the, I don't know any other way to put it. That's if you read actual critical reviews, which I didn't really pull for today's episode because I kind of wanted to talk about so many games. If you actually go and read critic reviews, they're all, they're mostly, this is basically doom, but weak sauce <laughs> because it's not, it's not, it's not violent. So weak sauce. Yeah, well, you know, I'm in the 90s right now, so why not? So in Chex Quest, you basically play as the Chex Warrior, which is a soldier clad in a Chex-shaped suit of armor. And you need to foil a planetary invasion by the Flemoids, who are a species of slimy green invertebrates, invertebres, bre, invertebra. I don't know how to say I know how to say that, but I, I really like invertebra. Slimy green thingies who have invested the planet and captured helpless colonists who you have to save along the way. Instead of guns that kill people, you're equipped with a weapon called the Zorcher, which basically teleports them back home. They, on the other hand, shoot their mucus at you to stop you in your tracks. Mm, yummy. I know. Critics hated it because it was literally just reskin Doom, but gamers loved it. I mean, there's something like a couple million copies out there. And it's said to have increased check sale at check cereal sales at the time by like 240 some percent or something like that. Uh, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. In fact, it was so popular that they and successful that they greenlit a sequel. So we got Chex Quest 2 in 1997 and uh, it was quiet for a while. Then the, some of the original development team came back together and they made a fan like a fan service sequel in 2008 Chex Quest 3. And then, uh, like I just said, in 2020, actually recently, they remade the original HD. They re remade the original Chex Quest in HD, and it's free on Steam. So, 
and it's five levels. It's short. You can beat it in like half hour or something like that. But it's it's funny and it's goofy. And it was the coolest thing ever at the time because I would have been, what, 12 years old, 96. And here's a video game, you know, in a cereal box. So That is pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And eventually there were video. I remember at one point you could get Age of Empires in a, in a cereal box. That's the only two games I remember. But they started they started to do it all over the place. They started to do it all over the place. So it was a it was a fad for a while. Age but of Empires came in a cereal box. It did at one point. Yes. Yeah, it would have been years after like not because I think Age of Empires the original was 95. So I think it would have been 97 or 98. Well, after it's it was it was not as popular in the original, maybe even 99 after Age of Empires 2 came out. I just remember I remember it being one of a game you could find in a cereal box or maybe send away things in a cereal box for, but I'm pretty sure it was in a cereal box. Anyway, yeah, Chex Quest, really goofy game, but only one of many. We had a game on the Nintendo that was an advert game called Yo Noid. Do you know Yo Noid at all? No, but I do recall another one for the NES. Ooh, do you know what Noid? Who Noid is by any chance? Uh, no. I, all I right. know something like a ninja of some kind. That's about all I remember. Kinda, yeah. So Yo Noid, he had something to do with dominoes. He did. So the so the Noid was Domino Pizza's mascot, and essentially this game, this game has a weird history, but not very much. It was released in Japan as a just really basic side-scrolling platformer that was basically translates to Mask Ninja Hanamaru. And when it was brought over to be localized to the United States, for whatever reason, Capcom te- teamed up with Domino's Pizza, and the main character became their mascot, Domino's mascot, the Noid. And... So when they localized it, they changed the gra- some of the graphics, the sounds, and the presentation of the game. But the game mechanics and general like locations weren't really changed. So the plot and character design of the game don't make sense. Because you have this weird mash of the old game and the advert game stuff. But but hey, you know, it's, it's a video game about a... The Noid was this weird rabbit-looking dude who has to save New York from his evil clone, the evil Noid, using what he called was a pizza crusher. And when he does so, he earns a massive pizza reward. Interesting. Yeah. Yo, Noid. Yo, Noid. What's the other one you remember? Mick Kids. Yeah, Mick Kids, indeed. I played the hell out of Mick Kids. Oh, I did too, and it's one of the ones we found. Yeah, I played the hell out of uh, Mick, or MC, uh, Mick Kids. So, for those of you who don't know, Mick Kids is a 1992 platform video game that was released for the Nintendo Entertainment System in February of 92. It was a licensed product for, as you can imagine, McDonald's. Um, And it stars two children who are named Mac and Mick who venture into McDonald land in order to rescue or return Ronald McDonald's magical bag that had been stolen by the Hamburglar. You could either choose between Mac or Mick to play 
but realistically there were there were no differences between the two characters aside from how they looked two people could play at the same time um yeah so mckids was very much like mario uh where it was a side-scrolling platformer game you had different worlds uh every time you went to a world you got to visit a new mcdonaldland character and mcdonald's was just all over the place you know you you met all the characters from the restaurants and television commercials you had to collect these cards that were from mcdonald's the coins that like if you're thinking mario the coins were golden arches um but but mckids had some interesting stuff didn't it like different mechanics right yes uh the two-player mode you could like slingshot like not really slingshot, but it was kind of like ice climbers in a sense, if I remember correctly. You could also reverse gravity, which I, which is the one thing I was I I remember. Like you could flip the world upside down with like a a zipper, I think it was. That sounds familiar, yeah. So I mean, then that was unique and different. But I will tell you that you know, McKids is not by any stretch of the imagination the only McDonald's game that they released back then. We've actually briefly talked about one of the other McDonald's games in a prior episode, more specifically our Ikaruga episode, because Ikaruga was developed by Treasure, and one of Treasure's earliest video games was a 1993 platformer, similar to Kids that was called McDonald's Treasureland Adventure. Um, now, McDonald's Treasureland Adventure was a Sega Genesis game published by Sega, you know, developed by Treasure. And it is kind of the same thing, right? But in this one, you control Ronald McDonald and you're you're trying to retrieve the pieces of a map that lead to the location of a buried treasure, hence Treasureland Adventure, right? This was one of, like I said, this was one of Treasure's early games. You know, it was one of the first ones they made money from that allowed them to keep going and uh and become the treasure we know and love with Ikaruga. Um and yeah. That's that's it. It had I think it had one unique mechanic. Ronald McDonald could use his scarf to hook onto higher platforms. Um but otherwise it was a pretty basic side scrolling platformer. Pretty basic side scrolling platformer, you know? Right. So we talked about the NES era. Uh, let's look a little forward into the PlayStation era. One interesting one that I found that neither one of us are going to be familiar with is a PlayStation game in 1999 uh, that is was exclusively made in Japan called Pepsi Man. Now, Pepsi Man is a mascot that was created for Pepsi's Japanese branch and pretty much stayed a, pep- a Japanese Pepsi mascot. So we would literally have no concept of what pepsi man is but imagine rob if you will like 1999 crash bandicoot type graphics with a guy like that's running full 3d but he's got he's tall he's lanky with arms and legs running and and he's just skinned with the pepsi logo all over him that that that's pretty much what it looked like interesting so Pepsi Man basically has four stages. Each involve Pepsi Man saving a person who's dehydrated. So for instance, in one level, you have to catch up to a military man who's in the middle of the desert and you give him a can of Pepsi. 
and it's basically I say Crash Bandicoot because it kind of it, it plays like that. It's played from that third person perspective. Though I think Crash Bandicoot runs. Does he run towards the screen? That's only in the 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 um, boulder rolling levels, isn't it? Otherwise, he runs away from the screen. Am I thinking about that right? I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, anyways, in this one, he runs forward through the screen, kind of like an infinite runner nowadays is the best way to put it. And um, and he has to dodge obstacles like cars, construction cranes, people. There's a Pepsi truck he can't run into. You know, he can run, he can dash, he can jump. You collect points by getting Pepsi cans. Um, yeah. Now, what's funny, Rob, is I looked up Pepsi Man because I, I again, Japanese only. I have zero concept of Pepsi. Um, so Pepsi Man has a backstory. He's apparently a scientist who transformed into a superhero after coming into contact with what's called Holy Pepsi. Oh, his his story eventually includes other characters such as Lemon Pepsi Man and Pepsi Woman. So this is apparently a whole thing in Japan around the end of the last century, which is really fun. Also, as you can imagine, a game like Pepsi Man did not have a very large budget. Shocking, I know. Um, and so it has actual real live videos in between the stages that just show a man drinking Pepsi. So that's what you that's that's what you got for beating each level was a video of, of a man a low budget actor who drinks a can of Pepsi. What awesome reward. I know, but I will tell you it reviewed pretty good. Um, the critics kind of liked it. In fact, complex magazine included it on a list of company branded games that didn't totally suck. Um, so yeah. So Pepsi man, 1999, which kind of brings us to the one you brought up. I want to talk about the Burger King trio. Uh, did you own the Burger King trio, Rob? I had two of them, Sneak King and Pocket Bike, but I can't remember the third one. Big Bumpin'. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. So for, so for those of you who don't know, the Burger King trio, Sneak King, Pocket Bike Racer, and Big Bumping were a were three separate Xbox 360 games that were paid for as in developed by Burger King in 2006 and were made available through meal purchase at Burger King itself. The most popular of which that still gets talked about to this day is Sneak King. Uh, Sneak King itself sold more than 2 million copies in 2006. In fact, it made the, with that many copies sold it was pretty far up there on the list of best-selling titles for 2006, which is really funny to think about. Now, for those of you who don't know, Sneak King, uh, you basically take control of Burger King's mascot, the king, and your job is to sneak around and deliver Burger King combos to hungry people, right? You, did you play it? Uh, I didn't play Sneak King, no. You played Pocket Bike Racer, though? Yeah. All right, so I ain't gonna lie. I own all three, but I never opened them. I've never played them. So I, you know, I've never played them. Uh, but I do have them. They're still sitting on my shelf. There were basically four levels to explore and deliver hungry Burger King meals to. There was a sawmill. 
There was a cul-de-sac, a construction site, and a downtown level. And yeah, that 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 was that was pretty much it. Now, Sneak King, Sneak King, basically came about when executives from Microsoft and Burger King met uh, at the Cannes Movie Festival to accept awards for separate advertising campaigns. Microsoft was there to uh, accept an award for their ARG alternate reality game for Halo 3 or 2 called I Love Bees. Do you remember I Love Bees at all? That's familiar to me, yes. And then Burger King was there, um, not for Burger King, but Burger King and KFC are owned by the Yum Brands, and they were there to accept a award for their KFC campaign called Subservient Chicken. Um, did you do you remember Subservient Chicken? That one doesn't ring a bell at all. So, so I love bees was really interesting. Uh, for those of you who don't know what ARGs are, they're basically games made in real life. Um, I actually have a couple like like Illuminati type ARGs that are pretty cool, but basically they take websites and and things and they turn them into mi- it's kind of like playing national you know the plot of National Treasure how there's you know a map on the back of the Constitution type deal. Yep. So you know that of course doesn't exist, but movies like that National Treasure or what's the Dan Brown one the Da Vinci Code. There are people who look for code where it probably doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Yep. And ARGs are basically that that concept. You know, there were there were fake websites made and emails put out, and you know, some of them actually make fake Wikipedia profiles for their stuff, and they basically create mysteries, but you play them in real life. So you literally play them through, you know, Google searches and finding videos online and stuff like that. So it kind of feels like it's the real world, you know? Right. Now, subservient chicken was a website where you could control a chicken. That That's it. It was like a live, live video of a chicken. And maybe it was animated. I think it was a live chicken, like, like live in that it looked like you were watching a live camera, but you could control, you could control them. And it was goofyish. All get out. So, but anyway, so all these senior executives were here, you know, to accept awards for these separate campaigns, struck up a conversation and basically found common interest and decided that they were going to produce Xbox games uh, that would take place, you know, instead of KFC for Burger King. And so a studio got involved and they got with, you know, Microsoft and basically um, decided they were going to make the Burger King trio. Uh, little did they know it would become one of the best selling games of 2006. Fun little, fun little thing. So Rob, what, a, that actually. what about America's army? No, nope, doesn't sound familiar. You have no clue about America's army. Nope. So America's army is a free to play first person shooter that was created and published by the U S army as a recruitment tool. I remember when America's army came out because it was, it was coined as a semi-realistic first person shooter. The first one would have come out in 2002, you know, so my, so about when I was 
ending high school, starting college. And basically, yeah, it was it was a free to play first person shooter in an era when free to play games weren't very common. And and it was a first person shooter. You know, what I mean, we tried every first person shooter back then. They weren't completely saturated like they are back now. But basically, it's an army recruiting tool. It's it's branded. At, this is how they describe it. The game is branded as a strategic communication device designed to allow Americans to virtually explore the army at their own pace and allows them to determine if becoming a soldier fits their interests and abilities. The America's Army represents the first large-scale use of game technology by the U.S. government as a platform for strategic communication and recruitment and is the first use of game technology in support of U.S. Army recruiting. Bet you didn't know that. Did not, no. So the first one was released on the 4th of July in 2002, um, and since then, there have been 41 different versions of America's Army, all the way all the way up until the most recent one, which actually is a little bit older, came out in 2013. But they are working on a new one on the you know Unreal Engine 5. And the entire game is financed and distributed by the US government. Um, and typically if you go to any army show, uh, air show, amusement park, sporting events, you know, that the army will have recruitment little tents set up. They will have the America's Army video game uh, set up set up there. I had, I'm surprised that I've never run into this before. Yeah, I'm actually really surprised too. I, I I can't say that I haven't played this. I have played America's Army. Now I haven't played it since frick I don't know 2003 or 2004 probably. But when it first came out, it was kind of a big deal. Um, and it's got all sorts of really cool stuff, right? So like. One thing is that the game includes optional medical training that actually provides you with real-world information. So if you want to become a combat lifesaver in a game, you have to pass a virtual medical training course that's based on the actual training that soldiers receive when it comes to you know evaluating and prioritizing casualties, controlling bleeding, you know, recognizing and treating shock, and administering aid for, for, for various victims. So, yeah, that's kind of cool, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, especially if it can actually translate to real life. Yep. Yep. Uh, Funny that you should say that, because there are two recorded incidents of America's Army players uh, that have reported using the training they received in games to save lives in emergency situations. So it has happened. That's insane. Um, it is a larger based game, so you can drive uh, Hummers in the game. You can also qualify to use the Crow system, which with the grenade launchers and Brownings, um, there's training to use a Javelin missile launcher. There's specialist training to do parachute, uh, training, which you can only do airborne missions if you're parachute certified. And there are special forces missions that you can only do if you get a special forces certification. So it actually, it makes you learn real stuff in order to play these games. Um, But otherwise it's, it's pretty much a first person shooter. It's got different objectives like a capture the flag type deal. um, Or there's, you know, eliminate the enemy type thing. 
it's a more realistic first person shooter than you're probably used to. It's not a very arcade. It's not a very arcadey game. Um, but oh, I mean, when you say that I'm used to keep in mind, Oh, Tarkov. Tarkov. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, it's, um, it's cool to think of that. They made it also creepy to think of that. They made it. I'm going to lie. Um, but someone somewhere, a bunch of people actually work for the army making video games, which is nifty, I think. Oh, yeah, it is. That's extremely nifty. So statistically, more than 13 million people have played it over all 41 versions. And uh, the total played is a little over 260 million hours across the entire series. Wow. And there have actually been, sad to say, some some uh, accounts of it being a successful recruiting tool where uh, soldiers have been quoted as saying, I don't know how I would have found out about the army any other way. Incredible that it's such a powerful tool. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's be honest. It's a propaganda device, right? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, maybe an effective one for people. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm I was surpri- I'm surprised that you'd never heard of it because it's been around for a long time and it, and you kind of that you like first person shooters. So, well, yeah, I guess it's just one of the ones that slipped past me somehow. Yep, for sure. For sure. So we've been talking about them for a little bit. Are there any other adver games that you can think of that I might have have missed that you want to talk about? Honestly, no. I mentioned the only ones that I can think of. I mean, I know there were other McDonald games. Um, there was there recently there was an Arby's like Greek Euro marathon game, like a little at like a little online game. Um, there have been some really weird ones though. Uh, recently, like 2019, recently, and you can find this on Steam. There is a game called. I love you, Colonel Sanders, a finger licking good dating simulator. What? Yes. So this is a parody of conventional dating sims. And the primary objective of the game is to develop a romantic relationship with a fictionalized version of Colonel Sanders, who's portrayed as an attractive classmate at a cooking school. Interesting. I love you, Colonel Sanders. But everyone's gotten into it. I, you, uh, I I pulled some some weird ones, not so weird ones too. Recently, we had Doritos Crash Course, which were basically like side-scrolling obstacle platformers that Doritos sponsored. There's a boxing game called Tums Battle of the Burn, which I mean, Tums isn't you know an antacid product. Maybe you youngins don't know that. But uh, us old people need our Tums. Yeah, I sure do. And they made a boxing game sponsored by Tums. Interesting. Eminem has so many games, it's not even funny. Eminem Beach Party, Eminem Adventure, Eminem Kart Racing, Eminem's Break'em. Everything. I mean, in there, you already see there's a kart racing game. You know, Adventure was a side-scrolling game. Break'em, I think, was a puzzle game. Uh, there are so many M&M games I didn't miss. I, I didn't. I, I, I missed. 
yeah. I found one, Rob, that its its tagline kind of caught me. I had to put it down here for you. So Axe Body Spray made a game called Mojo Master, and its tagline is that it's Pokemon with boobies. <laughs> okay. And speaking of boobies, uh, Hooters Road Trip, which I'm pretty sure there is a copy of somewhere in the house that you're in right now, uh, was released as a PC game back in the early 2000s. I'm sure there is one. Yeah, I'm sure there is two. Related to Road Trip, there is a whole series called the Ford Simulator series. I believe the first couple are also in the house that you're in right now, which was a really basic driving simulator that only had Ford cars, as you can imagine. Other mascots that were found in in games include 7-Up's mascot Spot had a few games in the 90s. Uh, Chester Cheetah had a few games in the 90s. Even earlier, there's a game for the Atari 2600 uh, for the Kool-Aid Man, which was uh, kind of interesting. Um, and, and since we started out this episode talking about playing in VR, Rob, there are some VR advert games too. That Doritos Battle one, our crash course, um, there is a Doritos VR battle, which is basically described as an on-rails VR experience where you kick ass and eat Doritos. Okay. And uh, back to KFC making weird things, there is a VR game called KFC The Hard Way, which, which, is, which is described as a VR escape chicken frying game. I really don't know what that means. Are are you like, are you escaping being fried and you're a chicken? Are you doing an escape room where you have to fry a chicken to get out of the room? I, I that with that description is it's not very clear, you know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you, Dave. But uh, there are there's there's just advert games. I mean, uh, if you, since mobile phones are so prevalent, all you really gotta do is search any any store for a mobile ga- a mobile game and you'll find probably a buttload of advert games if it feels like every movie that comes out hell dude we just got the matrix awakened uh unreal demo for the movie which is literally just a game made around the matrix unawakened movie i mean that's an advert game if i've ever seen one you know i didn't know about it you haven't heard about that yet oh okay so I don't know if they released a PC one yet. Um, I think they may have only released on the consoles, but basically there is a, uh, it's what essentially is an unreal engine five tech demo called the matrix awakens demo. And it literally just recreates that environment in unreal engine five. But if you haven't had an opportunity to see unreal engine five yet um, in, in, in use, like when they first rolled it out, the Unreal Engine 5 is incredibly photorealistic and it, it's amazing to be honest with you. It 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 looks it looks good. I'm just going to put it that way. It looks good. Okay. So um that's kind of exciting. But yeah, I feel like every game, every movie, everything that comes out has some video game, you know, released to it. And then it gets kind of muddy too, you know. I was if I think about it, like let's talk about that for a second. You know, when do they stop being advert games and they start being games? Like Scott Pilgrim versus the World is a pretty good video game, but is it is it its own game or is it an advert game of the comic or the movie? You know, 
Oh, I guess I didn't really ever think of it that way. But the, but you kind of have to. Like, at some point, are movie tie-ins advert games? Uh, I suppose they could be. Yeah, they'd have to be. Yeah. Because they make you want to watch the movie or think of the movie, and when you think of it, you're more likely to want to watch it. Or do we, are we, are they just like, or do we consider advert games specifically to just be corporate? Like, like, I think for me, an advert game is specifically tied to a corporation of some kind. Like, 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 Checks or KFC or Hooters or X, X, who makes Pokemon with boobies. I, I, I don't know. I guess that's how I would distinguish it. Maybe The Matrix Awakened isn't an advert game in that respect and just a, a video game that ties into a movie. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, since I started out talking about Polo not created, I did find one more game that never came out that 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 is an advert game that really cracks me up. So there was an NES title that was never released called Drax Night Out. And in it, you play as Count Dracula while wearing Reebok pumps. Uh, okay. I know, right? And you have to work your way down your castle while avoiding hostile villagers. And um, so basically you would avoid them. You could either pull a lever that would spring all these traps around, or you had your vampire gaze and once you subdued the, the villagers, you could suck their blood that would allow you to turn into a bat to navigate through areas. Yeah, to navigate through areas. And then once you escaped the castle, you were supposed to go into this large open town to explore and search for the, your bride. Um, and so you would have to, like, you know, sneak around the streets trying to find, you know, to avoid hostile mobs and uh it had all sorts of weird things if you sucked enough blood you could turn into a wolf i don't know how they got werewolf from dracula but they managed to do it um and there were vampresses you could turn people into vampires and vampresses and all sorts of weird crap i know so there was going there was going to be a dracula game and i'm pretty sure what happened is they made this count dracula game and they didn't have enough money to finish. And so they went and found a sponsor. And Reebok said, sure, go ahead and put our put Dracula in some Reebok pump shoes. And as it turns out, sponsorship just wasn't enough to save the game. And so it never came out. But yeah, fun, huh? Fun, fun. There's all sorts. I, I, it cracks me up nowadays. You know, Netflix made an infinite, infinite runner. Um. There's one Bush's Bean Dash where you have to collect ingredients to make uh, Bush's beans. Wow. There was back in 2012, there was a Zelda style adventure game called Skrillex Quest. Uh, where, what? Yeah, basically it was, like I said, a Zelda style game where you had to, uh, I don't even know, clean up dust that was in this game that once you clean up the game, it turned into a dubstep game. It's it's weird. You know the Sour Patch Kids have a have like a, a Angry Birds type game. Um, oh, good Lord, there's so many M and M's. Uh, let's see, we talked about Spot Goes to Hollywood. We talked about the freaking uh, Ford Simulator series. 
uh, cool spot, Chester Cheetah. Good lord. Spot the video game. Yeah, annoyed. I'm kind of looking at the list of them right now. There's just so freaking many. In 1987, there was a Pepsi Challenge game. Our our freaking Sneak King wasn't Burger King's first foray into video games. In 1987, in Spain exclusively, there was a Burger King advertisement that was given with a Whopper meal called Whopper Chase. Huh. So that's kind of fun. Um, Johnson and Johnson made a game in 1983 for the Atari 2600 called Tooth Protectors, which, uh, as you you know, tooth protectors. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So all sorts of weird ones. So advert games are all over the place, and that's pretty much all I have about them. Do you got anything? Um, I know, you know, there's a lot more than I thought. I, I learned about a, a crap ton of games that I never had heard of. Uh, uh, it's interesting, you know, you know, you, you see it every day. You just don't really ever think about it. Well, then it's doing its job correctly, frankly. Yeah. S- subliminal messaging. Yeah. I mean, if you don't even realize it's, it's, if you, if you, if you don't even realize that it's an advertisement, it is doing its job right the way it's supposed to. That it is Dave. So that's all I got. I think that ad advertising marketing is marketing can be a science. It is. There are people who are very good at it. So props to them and props to game developers who can take something even as boring as advertisements and make them cool. But do are they cool though? I mean, some of them. Yeah. I, I mean, especially when you're younger. I mean, I know I enjoyed the hell out of the Captain Crunch game, and we obviously enjoyed my kids. And I enjoyed Chex Quest, even though it was and, short, yeah. goofy, and so you're annoyed, you and my kids, and whatever else. I played America's Army. Hell, I've, I I guess I'm a sucker like everyone else. So, all right, that you are, Dave. Well. I'm going to post this list of advert games on my show notes, uh, which you can find on www.memorycardlane.com. So if you'd like to learn about any of these games or, or, or well, period, if you'd like to learn about any of these games, I always post my sources on memorycardlane.com. Also on memorycardlane.com, you can find our biographies. You can find a calendar of upcoming events, although I, I definitely need to update it for 2022 which is only a matter of weeks away because I'm a procrastinator and um, you can find a link to our Patreon and you can find a link to our discord where you can come and join our community to play games with us or scream about things. I I got wrong. Scream about things I got wrong. You can also find links to our social media. Oh, speaking of social media, Rob, did you see that uh, Umura died this week? The guy who created the Nintendo and super Nintendo. Yes, I did. Didn't you send me the link to that? I don't believe I did. No, I don't think it was me. Was it? Maybe it was. I think it was you. Well, I don't know. I think Probably. it was. So rest in peace, Umara, the guy who basically was headed the teams that made the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Um, but I, uh, when the news broke, I tweeted about it. My Twitter handle is David is wrong. David underscore is underscore wrong. Uh, where I I tweet periodically. 
Rob, your social media is what these days? I can be found streaming on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. All right. I hate when I do that. <laughs> it sounds when I go, all right, because it sounds so freaking fake and I try not to I try not to go into fake fake. Anyway. Each week, we try to teach you something new about a game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back from the world as its legacy. So we want to teach you something new. But part of that is acknowledging that we learn new things in the process. And so every week we go round table, which is, you know, Rob and I this week. And uh, we talk about our biggest takeaways from this episode. So Rob, what did you learn today? Well, like I said earlier, I learned there are a lot more advertisement games than I realized. Uh, it's kind of cool. But it's even cooler to know that it all started mostly from arcade games that actually had controls that were little little beer taps. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Bear tap controllers. What about yourself, Dave? What did you learn doing all this? I learned also that there were a lot more than I realized. Um and the weird ones I'm sure I had heard about. I love you, Colonel Sanders, but I never gave it any second thought until I really looked this week and was like, what the flip is this? Also, Pokemon with boobies. I mean, really? Really, Axe Body Spray? Really? So, yeah. I mean, you got to see what it's like, I guess. I definitely will not be doing that. <laughs> too many video games, too little time. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, that's it for me. Before I take it out of there, Rob, what would you like to add to today's episode? As always, I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much to each and every one of you who are listening. It means the world to us. We hope we continue to bring some joy while you listen. Yes. Back to you, Dave. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. Well, with that being said, I'm going to take it out of here for the day um, and talk about next week. So, when it was released, this game was said to rival modern handheld classic titles Castlevania and Metroid in terms of scope and playtime. So, in December of 2004, when Cave Story was released to the world, it transformed the indie game industry with its acclaim and success. It's one of the most significant recent releases by one-person development teams. Is it teams if it's one person, Rob? I don't know. It's one of the most significant recent releases by a one-person development team, and we're going to talk all about it. So join us again next week as we start as we talk starting from scratch and learn all about our backstory on an amnesia-filled trip down memory card lane. Do the thing. Do do ba 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 boo ba ba da.